0: You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, my name is Joe. Welcome to The Joe Martino Show. I am your host. Today we're going to be talking about a couple different things. We're talking about Facebook. And social media. We're also going to be talking about four good questions that you can ask yourself when you are considering change in your life. Summer is one of those times that people try to uh, reinvigorate their change process. And I want to give you four good questions that you can ask uh, yourself if you're looking to re-enter that process. You also can use these four questions to process with other people. You might even consider that you could use these four questions for a host of applications, such as you know trying to sell an idea to someone. Maybe you're trying to pitch a book idea, a building idea, something, anything. You want to ask somebody to be a business partner with you. Whatever it is, you can use this method, these four questions, as a means for packaging your understanding of the project. All right, let's start with Facebook and social media. I was talking to somebody just yesterday And they were, you know, hey, how's it going? Haven't seen you for a while, blah, blah, blah. And then they started to kind of lament someone that they thought I might know. And turns out I don't know this person, but our circles have overlapped over the years. And I said, well, what's the problem? And, you know, and my friend was like, well, you know, we just recently connected on Facebook because this other friend recommended him because he's got these great ideas that he shares and he said, and it drives me nuts. And he kind of went through and And honestly, I, I see his point. Uh, the guy asked questions. I went to the guy's Facebook wall. It's not really locked down. And, you know, he asked questions. And, and then he doesn't really even ask questions. He makes provocative statements. And then when people disagree with him, he either just refuses to answer or he tells them there's no need to debate. He's right. And, and I can see how that would be frustrating Uh, I was talking to somebody else a week ago, and they were lamenting the toxic nature of Facebook. And and I have to be honest, most days I do not see uh, the toxicity in Facebook. It doesn't really bother me one way or the other. But there are people that I don't follow on Facebook, even though we're Facebook friends. And so I said to the person, I said, well, you know, you could just unfollow them. Well, but what will they think if they find out? Well, the truth is they'll never find out unless, you know, there's a hack or something because that's the way Facebook sets it up. And then they ask this great question. Well, then am I being authentic because we're Facebook friends, but we're not real life friends? We wouldn't be real life friends. I I probably don't have a really good answer for some people on that, but for my friend, I said, you know, there are people in life that I really like that I don't like what they do on Facebook. And there are people that I might not be friends with in real life that I'm friends with on Facebook because Facebook, while part of real life, isn't real life. And I have total control over what I see. I have total control on whether or not I pick it up, whether or not I look at it, whether or not I scroll, whether or not I choose to choose to engage in a debate. And there are times, last week, somebody put up about how they were hating the fact that, that summer was here and, and their kids were going to be home all summer and i wanted to argue with them like like you know hey i love my kids being home i didn't because it's pointless i've come to the conclusion that a lot of facebook arguments are pointless now i love a good discussion and sometimes we have good discussions on my facebook wall but here's the thing about facebook and all social media if you're a grown adult you have total control over what you do with it Now, if you choose to avoid it and totally cut it out of your life, that's your business. I don't care. I'm not going to judge you and I don't think anybody else should. If you choose to engage it and you're on it all the time, again, I don't care. That's your choice. I'm not going to judge you and I don't think anyone else should. I do think you have to ask yourself some hard questions about however you engage it. Why are you doing what it is you're doing? Why are you on Facebook? Why are you not on Facebook? Why does that person's post cause you to have anger? Why does that Trump supporter make you want to scream? Why does that uh, Bernie supporter make you want to scream? That Hillary supporter make you want to scream? That, uh, I don't know a lot of the Republicans, Rubio supporter make you want to scream? Mitt Romney, he's a Michigan man. You know, why does Mitt Romney make you want to scream? Why does somebody who disagrees with you why have we lost the ability to just agreeably disagree? That's a serious question. If you have an answer, email me info at joe martino.com, info at joe martino.com. I sincerely want to know your thoughts. What has happened to our society that we can no longer read something on Facebook or in print? I, I guess Facebook is print that we disagree with and not have kittens. Like seriously, we, we can disagree. We can agree. We can believe that the other person's wrong. Now here's the thing. There are certain people that I have unfriended. There are certain people, and this is the point that I want to get to. You control your Facebook and you should cut toxic people out of your life, period. If you have people in your life who are consistently toxic and they are consistently dumping toxicity into your life, cut them out, If you're related to them and you don't feel like, hey, I can actually completely cut them out because I'm related to them, they're my daughter, they're my son, they're my mother, they're my father, they're my aunt, they're my uncle, they're my brother, they're my sister, whatever that is, then you draw really strong boundaries. Make those boundaries hold. Right. One of the biggest things that I see that Facebook symptomizes, it's not a creator of, it symptomizes it, is people's inability to draw boundaries, to remove toxicity from their lives in a healthy way. In other words, most people deal with toxic people in an equally toxic way. And that's something that needs to change. And we can do that one person at a time by just admitting the fact and owning the fact that we control our Facebook. I completely control what's on my Facebook. I went through recently an un- Un or refollowed a bunch of people that I had followed, and I kept a list. And if they really started to get to me again, I just unfollowed them. It's okay. I guarantee you that there are people who aren't following you who might even really like you in real life. They just don't like your Facebook, and that's okay. So that's kind of my fun little six-minute jaunt into the Facebook world. I want to talk to you now about what is four good questions that you can ask yourself as you look at this summer season, maybe as you look to re-engage the change process. One of the things that my Facebook, see what I did there? My Facebook feed has been full of is people who are re-engaging their diets, they're re-engaging their... weight loss journeys. They're re-engaging the exercise programs. They're re-engaging the reading programs. They're re-engaging everything that they started in January and it didn't work. So here's four questions that they're not even questions really. They're just four steps that I tend to try to work through people or through with people when they're looking at re-engaging a process or maybe engaging for the first time. And, And it's really simple. Number one, what's the win? Why are you doing this? What's the goal? If it's just to lose weight, that's kind of a bad goal cuz like you could lose a pound if it's to work out more than I did in the last 6 months. Again, a bad goal cuz maybe you only need to work out once to work out more. It's to save more money. Well, maybe you only need to save a dollar. But what's the win? Can you distill the, re- the the thing that you're seeking, the thing that you're chasing, the thing that you want to accomplish? Can you write it down in one or two sentences? This is why I think it's so important for people to have life mission statements because life mission statements give you a guideline for what's the win. What is it that you're chasing in every activity you do? When you consider an activity, you can filter it through. Well, here is a win, a potential win to what I'm doing. So recently uh, I applied to coach a high school soccer job. If you hear something coming up in the Lowell area, give me a call. Before I engaged in the process, one of the things that I did was I actually sat down and I wrote out, what's the win to this, right? My family's busy. I'm busy. I've got a business to run. I'm working on another book. I'm actually working on a third book. That's just not probably something that's going to go public. We're working on on all sorts of stuff. We're trying to get our, our YouTube channel ready to relaunch. What would be the win to coaching a high school soccer team? And I was able to answer that and then see if that win fit inside my life mission statement. So the first part of this four point process, when you engage the change process is what's the win? Why am I doing this? And then kind of as an added bonus, do you have a life mission statement? I want to change the world and I want to be known for loving my family fiercely. So when I'm looking at this coaching high school soccer, it has to fit inside those two criteria. It has to. And then when I'm working through this with clients, the next step is be specific, be more specific than you were in number one, drill it down as far as you absolutely can. So what is it that we're trying to accomplish? How much more simple, how much more clear, how much of this can I cut away and still have the essence of what it is we're chasing? What is it that you're pursuing? You may remember one of the episodes, I believe episode two, we talked about managing expectations or episode three. This is setting up your own expectations. And here's the thing. Here's the really good test for this, for these two steps. If you can't explain to someone else, especially a skeptic, on what is the win and why you want to do this, you're in trouble. If you can't explain to someone else, especially a skeptic, what the clear win is for why you want to do something you have work to do. You probably won't stay involved in the change process, which leads us to the third step, which is list out the emotional payoff. This is especially true for you. If you're looking to engage in the change process, right? You want to go to the gym. You want to save money. You want to write a book. You want to start a business. You want to go back to school. All of those things are hard. So what are you going to do? What's the emotional payoff? So I want to do this because... And then whatever's next should be an emotional statement. So often in our society, we either are ruled by our emotions, where they just run us nonstop, or we are somehow trying to be emotionally avoidant and we act like they don't exist. Both of those are unhealthy. What's the emotional payoff to what it is that you're trying to do? What do you want to feel when you're done? So I have a list of, of 12 reasons that I try to eat healthy and go to the gym regularly. I'm not going to tell you all of them, but some of them are I want to walk my daughters down the aisle someday. I want to stand up at my son's wedding. I want to be able to play with my grandkids I want to be able to travel with my wife when we're in our golden years. And then behind each of them, there's an emotional payoff for me. Now, you might not be emotionally motivated by those things, and that's okay. But you have to find out what is your emotional payoff. Emotions aren't bad. They're part of us. So what is your emotional payoff to what it is that you're trying to do? And then the fourth step is listing out the metrics. How do you know when you're done? How do you know when you've achieved your goal? How do you know when your journey is complete? That leg of it, right? Because, so okay, one of the things, imagine going on a trip. My wife and I and my family, were going on a trip in a few weeks. And imagine if we just got in the truck, we, we, we hooked up the camper, we pull out the driveway, and we just drive. We, we don't really, it doesn't matter where we're going. Well, it does somewhat, it, especially if we're going camping. I can't go to downtown Grand Rapids and camp. I just can't do that. Downtown Lansing won't work. I have to know where I'm going. I have to know the metrics. Right? Metrics are just how we measure things. How will you measure success? How will you measure failure? How will you measure progress? If you remember the change circle, we talked about, Hopefully you remember this preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance, preparation, action, maintenance, maintenance. This metrics is how, what we look at in that maintenance, maintenance phase. What is the metrics that you're using to find success, to find progress and to know where you're at? They are the guidelines that you use as you make the journey. So four steps. What's the win? Be as specific as possible. What's the emotional payoff? And then what are the metrics that you're going to use? I think if you use these four steps, just write them down on a sheet of paper, maybe in your computer, whatever it is that you are, your iPad, whatever it is that you're using, hopefully not an Android device. Uh, just kidding, Android market. Uh, write these down and, and, and just start writing what comes to mind. Don't filter it, don't judge it, and then go back once it's all out and look at it and, and see what you got. What, what are you trying to accomplish? After you've gotten as specific as you possibly can with that, ask yourself what's the emotional payoff and how will I measure what I'm doing? All right. If you use this process, let me know how it goes. You can write me at info at martino.com, Find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Martino counseling. Feel free to message me there. Uh, what I want to do now is I want to transfer to an interview with a friend of mine, Jamie Van Dynen. Uh, Regarding he and his family's journey with his daughter's faith, uh, hearing loss, his daughter's faith, that's her name, hearing loss. Uh, she was born with uh, hearing loss. It's been something they've managed her whole life. Um, and if you're a parent, you know that anytime something happens to your children that you can't control, it's terrifying, it's frustrating, it it causes anger. All all the emotions come up. And, and Jamie came in and he stopped in a few weeks ago and we talked about really the family journey and how they've managed that. And I want to share that interview with you today. And so, Jamie, welcome. Thank you for coming. You know, you did a little recap for me of the story uh, of Face Life when, when we were just sitting here a minute ago. If you wanted to do that again, maybe that would be helpful for anyone who's listening.
0: Sure. Um, so we... Uh, Found out that Faith was hearing impaired the day she was born, uh, but didn't really believe it. They did some tests and and uh, said that there might be a, an issue here. Uh, we, thought, we thought it was kind of, you know, a bunch of voodoo or or, sure. or just some, some weird testing. There's no way that you can find that on a, on a newborn baby.
1: Sure, and as humans, we want to hope, right? And so you yeah. hope that they're wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and i guess it was almost self fulfilling because as the the next few months go on we noticed that faith was reacting to sounds reacting to us if we you know we, we sure. entered the room um so we started saying yeah there's no way she's hearing impaired that's just something they're saying uh but we continued on with some testing here and there um but we're pretty much told our doctor that we're we're done with the testing we we didn't think there was any need Okay. For, for anything else. Um, and he, he stressed just that, that there was one more test that we needed to take um, just to, to, to definitively say yes or no, whether or not she's hearing impaired. And Faith was almost nine months old at the time, and it required her going under anesthetic.
1: Which has to be terrifying for a parent. You know, my oldest daughter went under anesthesia at two, and I just remember that at two. I can't imagine at nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was was a hard decision. It's like, do do we really want to know so bad that that it's willing to put her under this? Sure. And then we're seeing the evidence we wanted to see was that she wasn't hearing impaired. Um, So that was a tough decision. Sure.
1: To make. So, okay, so you take the test and she comes back positive, right? That, yes, she does have the problem what's those next so she's nine months old here's your your oldest child your only child what what do you do? you know we talked a little bit about how when it's your first child there's no touch points yeah you, you know for like okay well, I know this and I can extrapolate it to that. How does that go what you know what's those next few months look like for you guys
0: it was just i mean I, of course i I like to fix a problem. Sure. So for me, it was, okay, I got to learn everything I can to to understand this. Sure. Um, but at the same time, realizing I, there's no fixing. Sure. And, and coming to grips with that. Um, like you and I talked a little bit about earlier, there was a lot of um, looking at ourselves and going, what, did we do something? did we, Sure. Um, you know, are there some issues that caused this um, they had also told us at the time that it was progressive hearing loss, so it was going to continue to get worse. Um, and just even trying to deal with what does that look like? Sure. Uh, you know, six months, a year from now, is she going to be totally hearing impaired? Um. So there, that's really where it was almost like this swirl of what do what do we grasp onto to say this is how we move forward or or this is what we do?
1: Sure. Um, and so you had talked about uh, when you started kindergarten, you had these two choices. Tell people a little bit about that.
0: And it was actually at that time; it was way before kindergarten
1: or any of that. Oh, really? Um, you, you enter a program. Um, okay. Where
0: it l- luckily in, in in our area we have two different programs: the total hearing program and the oral deaf program. Um, but you kind of have to make a decision. So here you have this baby. That you're making a life decision for um, to decide whether she's going to learn sign language and learn to communicate that way, or, or take this less, I guess, less known uh, sure path um, of learning to to hear the way we all hear naturally through. Hearing aid devices, and, or you know, either cochlear implant hearing aids.
1: Sure. And and that was that was
0: a tough one because you know you're looking into your child's future and saying what what do I think she's gonna be able to do? You know, right? And, and she's at this point not even a year
1: old yet. Right. Sure. Still soiling her diaper and all that good yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. And we're right.
0: we're trying to make those decisions. Right. Um,
1: About what she's gonna have when she's eighteen. Yeah. Sure. So that has to be terrifying, right? Because you're dealing with something that is, you know, the thing we all want is for our kids to have a normal, whatever that means, life. We don't want our kids to be different too much, right? Because we all can look back to our own childhood and where we were different and how that went. One of the things that I wonder about is at the end of the day, your child not being to hear is not a life threatening issue. It's not a. It'll probably shorten her life issue. We didn't actually talk about this, but I wonder, was there any like comparative grief from people? Sometimes people in an attempt to be helpful are actually not helpful because like, oh, well, my daughter's struggling with, with, with hearing loss. Well, we'll be glad she doesn't have, yeah. insert, you know, terrible disease. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and there's definitely some of that. And in, 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 I know folks are thinking that they're trying to, to help by, by do that. Right. Like giving us some perspective on it. Right. And, and, you know, I appreciate that, but at the same time, you know, we're still dealing with, with what is her life going to look like 15, 20, 30 years down the road. Right. And, and trying to make decisions that are good for that. Um, like I was telling you, we had family members that were willing to learn sign language, do right. whatever we need um, to, to, to make life as normal for faith, but, sure. But that was just kind of a, okay, we know it's going to be really abnormal. So let's, you know, let's, let's work on that. Sure. You're right. It's messed up. Right,
1: right. Sure. (laughs) Uh, What would be your advice? So, you know, one of the reasons that I was, I'm thankful that, that you were willing to come in is certainly there's other people out there whose children are struggling with hearing loss. Uh, But even just people whose children are going through something that is different, but it's not in that life-threatening category, you know, insert terrible disease. What would be your advice to them on, hey, this is something to help us with faith. This is, you know, something to help Maggie and I as we were just processing, you know, those self-incriminations that run, just trying to figure out, okay, this isn't what I thought it would be you know, when I found out we were going to be parents yeah, and we want to provide the best life possible for our child.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess time has given us a better perspective on that. You know, I look at sure faith, faith now and how much she is able to enjoy life and, and seeing her just laughing with kids and hanging out and, and not having her hearing impairment be the main focus of her life. Sure. Um, at the time when we found out and we're dealing with this, that's all we thought about. Sure. Is that this, this, is, this thing is happening and it's going to affect our child's life for the rest of her life and she, she won't be able to be normal, she won't be able to, and all those, those fears that played into that and things of that sort, looking at it in the perspective now, um, those were unfounded.
1: Sure. But they're real,
0: you know. You're, you're dealing with those at the time, but but sure. but uh, just like a lot of things, time time gives you a perspective. And and I see a happy child, a child that's able to enjoy life. And at that time, I couldn't envision all
1: of that. Sure. So it's it's kind of uh, understanding that your fears that you're living with are real. They are. You're experiencing them but they're not necessarily founded in a future reality. Right. Or it's a future possibility yeah. as opposed to a future reality.
0: Or even just the depth of you know the depth of life is so much deeper than just this issue. Sure. And what, you know, even though that's the one you have to focus on sure. not with this with this one-year-old baby, it's the issue that you are have to extrapolate out over so many years and what's it going to look like. You do sure. you have to deal with that, but but just seeing that her life is so much deeper than, than this hearing impairment.
1: Sure. Um, that,
0: uh, now I look at it and go, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful I didn't allow that or we didn't allow that to, to take over every aspect of life with her.
1: Sure. So one of the things that we talked about was the IEP, which here in Michigan is the Individual Education Plan. I don't know what they call it in other states. Uh, talk a little bit about that process. You talked about the need to be an advocate for your child. What are some things you've learned, you know, along that journey? She's about halfway through school now, the, through traditional under school, you know, childhood schooling. Yeah. So what have you learned about being an advocate in the school system?
0: Well, and, and that's the, I guess, the biggest piece of advice I'd have is that you have to be an advocate. Nobody knows your, your child as well as you do. Sure. Um, the, the school administrators, and we had some great principals and, and folks in the school that were trying hard to make sure faith had everything she needed to, to be successful. But especially when you choose like the oral deaf program or the total communication program, there's just things that, that we understood about it that the administrators don't. Sure. And, um, the simple things like making sure that she is up close to the teacher, um, whether she wanted to wear an FM system or a microphone system for the teacher or not and whether that was needed and that's really where there got there to be points of contention with with the folks um, in the IAPs is you know we don't feel she she really needs this anymore um, she's an advocate for herself at this point she was able to tell if she if she couldn't hear or not and um, and and Allowing the the system or the system doesn't really want to allow that control back to the child or back to the parents. Okay, and
1: and so we had to be the advocates saying, sure,
0: no, this is this is better for her,
1: she, right? Sure, she
0: is able to to tell if she can't hear or not. Um, she's strong enough to do that. She'll she'll raise her hand and tell tell the teacher. Um, but she didn't want to be singled out anymore. As sure. The, as the, the reason, the whole reason the teacher's right. wearing this microphone system. Right. Um, she had a real hard time uh, concentrating because a lot of times the teacher would go out of the room and leave the microphone on and be talking to somebody else. And so Faith would hear their whole conversation. Sure. And, and <laughs> different sure. things like that. Yeah, so, that would be. So it was kind of weighing those things. And then
1: the emotional toll on her. Of being the person that's listening to the mic. Yeah. Sure.
0: And and being the whole... She was the reason that that the teacher was wearing a microphone. And
1: had to deal with that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anything you'd want to share with anybody... Anybody who's listening to this, whose child is, you know, outside that normal physical thing, whatever it is?
0: Well, I don't know if there's a magic pill or any any piece of advice other than... um, you know, we all want that normal existence for our child. We don't want them to, to stand out. But if they're going to, like with, with faith, it was let's celebrate the, the, the special part of you. You're, sure. Yeah, you're a little bit different. God made you this way. But uh, let's, we don't need to necessarily hide that or detract from that. Let's, let's just celebrate that, that you're special. And I think that was one of the best things that, that we did with her.
1: Cool. So if I hear you, if I can kind of summarize this, kind of what you're talking about is accept that you have fears, but they may not be real as far as they might not actually ever come to fruition and kind of endure through celebration of the difference. Advocate, manage, but live, enjoy life. Awesome. Jamie, I really appreciate you coming in today. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks so much for listening. That is today's show. We'll catch you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the contact me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.